Hello there. It's good to have you again on my podcast. It's been a while. I hope you've been getting blessed by the things that we have been sharing on this amazing platform. Um, the topic that we are going to be sharing today um, is handling rejection, something that I'm sure all of us you know, would be familiar with at some point and at some stage in our lives where you would have experienced something that made you feel that I was rejected by this person, I was rejected by that thing, you know, either a relationship that you expected to turn out fine and then the other party walked out on you or a job that you thought you were going to be accepted at and you were refused, you know, maybe a friendship that you thought would be strong or a a group of people that you thought would not count you out and you experience rejection on whatever level so today we'll be dealing with handling rejection you know what do you do what is the mindset that you should have in dealing with rejection um interestingly we'll be having i will be sharing two stories to illustrate this very beautifully the first story um, is the story of ruth and in that story we'll be learning the right mindset to have towards rejection the second story will be an experience in the life of our lord and savior himself jesus christ Um, and in that story we'll be learning the more practical ways of dealing with rejection in actions not just in mindset now Um, the bible says in the book of isaiah chapter 53 that he was rejected you know and so that gives us a picture that christ was not always having everything sailing smoothly for him in his earthly walk I pray that this would bless you as we explore the word of truth and it would help us with the right perspective in dealing with people in life. May may God bless you as you listen. Okay, so the story of Ruth, for for those of us that that do not know the story of Ruth, um, Ruth was a Moabites or Moabites from from the land of Moab. Okay, she was married to the son of Elimelech, an influential man from Bethlehem. Now, the thing is, there was famine in Bethlehem at the time, and Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, had to leave the land in search of um, greener pastures in the time of famine. Um, So, their sons got married to foreigners, um, to Ruth and um, Opa. The sons were Malion and Chilion. And so, while they were there, they died okay Elimelech died Malion and Shilion also died and they left the widow of um, Naomi Ruth and Opa you know and and so Naomi being the mother um, Ruth and Opa being the daughter-in-laws they were taking care of Naomi for some time eventually they heard that things had you know become better for the nation of Israel and they had to journey back okay and um on the way, Naomi said something beautiful, like, um, I don't have any sons anymore. Even if I had children today, you would not be able to wait for them to grow, to marry them, you know. And so I, I, I should release you. I should let you go. So please turn back from following me. Uh, and the Bible says that Opa returned to her people. But Ruth said, I will be with you, I will go with you, wherever you go, wherever you stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And in that declaration, she decided that she was going to join herself, not just to Naomi, who she had grown to love, but to the God of Naomi, which is the God of Israel. And interestingly, Ruth and Naomi come back into the land of Israel and 
you know things are not so easy for them at first you know and because of a law that God had made in which he told the children of Israel that whenever you are clearing your land reaping your harvest make sure you don't take everything you know always remain some for the poor the widow among you you know and so there was this rich man named Boaz you know um, who it was a time of harvest Ruth decides to step out to find favor with somebody you know and she finds herself on his land and she's reaping Boaz take you know takes interest in her um, but in the real sense of it Ruth was the one who took the primary interest in accordance with the matchmaking ideas of Naomi okay <laughs> interestingly so Naomi says that guy I think you should you know go after him follow after him you know he's a he's a wise man you know he's an influential man you know he can take care of us he's a good man and he's for my family's um, place you know so I think you should go after him and so Ruth in a sense makes the first move at the at the man Boaz okay and interestingly interestingly the Bible says that even though Boaz also has been eyeing her he realizes that according to the culture and the custom of the people of Israel he did not have the primary rights to marry Ruth now there's a custom and we'll go over it briefly quickly in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 Verse 5 to 10, Deuteronomy 5, 25, 5 to 10, it's a rule where God trying to help the children of Israel and help their customary regulations, you know, through Moses, you know, lets them understand that if a man marries a wife and he's unable to raise a child with his wife and he dies, um, his brother is expected or the nearest kinsman is expected to marry the wife you know and raise a seed for him just so that his lineage is not wiped out in the earth it was a thing of mercy a thing of help that god gave to the children of israel okay and so the first child from the brother um, the living brother would be given to the dead man you know the name legally would be um, ascribed to the dead man just to continue his seed and after that or whatever child he has is his in a sense okay and so that rule was there and Boaz was then saying that even though I see that you like me and I like you also, um, it's not my place to marry you because there's somebody closer. But this is what we're going to do. We will bring the matter before him to see if he would accept you, you know, and then um, hopefully he doesn't so that I can marry you. Okay. And so this is the story that we'll be talking about on the matter of rejection. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3, Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3, um, the Bible says that God in giving the rule to the children of Israel or the laws to the children of Israel said, uh, an Ammonite and a Moabite cannot enter um, the congregation of the Israelites even unto the 10th generation. Why? Because when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they were in they were coming through the wilderness they were suffering they were in hardship they just needed a place you know where they could buy food get water pass through the land on the way to the promise the bible says that the ammonites and the moabites they came against them and said you will not pass you know they decided that they will fight against the children of israel in fact the bible says that they even got a prophet to swear and curse the children of israel who did them no harm and God said, listen, 
these people are the enemies of my people because they have chosen to make themselves enemies. And according to the law, of course, the stricter regulations, it says that even to their tenth generation, they are not permitted to have anything, you know, in the congregation of the righteous. They, sh- they cannot be in your midst. Okay. And so there was that hanging rule by Moses um, concerning the Moabites, you know. And so there was already um, um, a a a sort of embargo that was laid on this gentile nation also because of the rule that god had given moses in which he did not want the polluted cultures in idolatry and the sinful behaviors of the nations around to rub off on israel um there was also the rule that jews should not marry foreigners okay jews should not marry people from those idolatrous background but because of the hard times in Elimelech's family, in Naomi's family, the sons already did marry people from Moab, which is Ruth and Opa. And now Ruth had decided to serve the God of Israel. Okay, so she was now a believer in a sense with Naomi. Now, the interesting thing is Boaz, which is the man that she wanted to get married to, took the matter to the person who was the closer kinsman. Uh, legally with the right to marry Ruth and says listen there's this piece of land you know that you can inherit because it is your right to inherit you know it belongs to Naomi it belongs to their family but in order for you to have it you would need to marry Ruth um, the lady who accompanies Naomi the Moabites you know uh, you would need to marry her and interestingly this man looks with nothing more than physical eyes and says i don't want this lady and that's where that's what we're going to be talking about today i don't want this lady you know because he had looked at it this lady came from moab you know we're not supposed to have anything to do with with people from moab you know this lady um um, she was married to somebody else you know um, if i have this lady that was married to somebody else a moabites as my wife it will pollute my lineage. It will pollute my seed. He does not understand anything about her spiritual relationship with God. Um, through her affiliation with Naomi, he just judges on the face value. And I think that's the same situation with many of us where we have been rejected because people looked at certain things in our lives that did not add up to the perfect measure of their expectations. You know, maybe on that job, you were better than you you probably had the qualifications for but they did not pick you you know or that person that you really liked heard something about you maybe something about your past you know or something about you know something they did not perfectly understand about you and felt based on this i don't think i want to be with this person you know i'll put you aside they do not know you know or they did not know your relationship with God. They did not know the changes that have gone on in your life. They do not know your covenant with God. But on face value, you know, for certain things that were not adding up in your life, they looked at you and felt, I, 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 I don't want this person. I don't want to have this person. You know, it's a very painful place to be. It's a very sad place to be, but it's the reality of life. And many times it's not as, as if they are at fault for rejecting you. It just did not work out. It just did not fit into what they were expecting, you know. And that's where Ruth was with this situation. Interestingly, 
Ruth is going to be in the lineage of the Christ. That means that in successive generations, she's going to be a great-grandmother of Jesus Christ on the earth. You know, but this man did not know this. You know, this man is not aware of that grace that God had prepared for her. But instead, he looks at it on the surface value and says, I'm not marrying her. You know, and um, with that, Boaz, who is the true person that she liked, had the opportunity to marry her, redeem her, in a sense, you know, and set up the lineage or, or, or the seed for the people that were lost. So through successive generations, Jesus Christ eventually came. Interestingly, the law says that the the Moabites cannot enter the congregation of the righteous even to the 10th generation, you know. And incidentally enough, the Bible lets us understand that the 10th generation from Boaz and Ruth's union is a man known as David, the most prolific and illustrious king of the children of Israel, you know. So interestingly, by being rejected by who would have legally married her or accepted her, um, she comes into a lineage that is blessed. She comes to Boab, to Boaz, you know. Maybe Boaz showed her mercy because he himself was the son of a lady who similarly had mercy. Boaz was the son of um, Salmon and Rahab. Rahab is the lady who was a prostitute in um, in in the land of of Jericho. You know, um, who helped the spies to hide uh, and um, was saved when Joshua and the children of Israel came. You know, so um, so Rahab, a former prostitute and from the land of Jericho, received mercy and married Nashon um, from the prolific family of Judah. And that's where Boaz came from. So maybe he must have shown mercy to Ruth, a Moabitess, you know, by um, recognizing where his own mother came from. Perhaps, maybe that's the reason that happened. But what we do know is that because Ruth was rejected by the wrong person for her, she was able to marry into a line um, where the Christ would eventually come from. And that's the mindset that I want you to have. That do not always count every time a person sets you aside as rejection. Who really has the right, you know, to reject you? Okay, when God is the one that determines your purpose, then he's also the one that determines how important and how necessary you are. And so if you encounter people and things and situations and groups that tell you that they don't want you or they have no space for you or they don't approve of you, you know, or they can't be with you, you should not always take it personally as though a flaw or a mistake or something is wrong with you. Always recognize that perhaps they just, these people do not know my value. These people do not know my worth because I was not designed for them. I'm designed for something better in the will of God. Okay, don't always take every rejection personal. You know, my pastor usually says, uh, um, rejection is actually a redirection okay where there are shut doors is so that you can recognize your own open door not for you to take it personally and feel that um, all things are bad you know your life is in a mess you know you're not good enough don't inter- internalize um, rejection is sometimes not about you sometimes about the people not seeing where you fit in because you are not designed for them okay so that's the mindset that i would ha- have us you know bear you know as it pertains to rejection now what is the more practical step that we take in handling rejection and for this we are going to need the lord himself even jesus christ um and see and experience in his life 
you know, that portrays and paints this very beautifully. <clears throat> and the text is Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. <clears throat> okay, so Jesus is doing mighty things. He's doing miracles. He's healing people. He has just called out 12 people, 12 disciples, you know, that are going to be carrying his work, you know, who would learn at his feet and that he will send out. Okay. And when he had done all of that, you know, had in, he even had a, 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 a mass following, a lot of people who listen to him teach. He's doing well in ministry. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, And when those who belonged to him, his kinsmen, heard it, they went out to take him by force. For they kept saying, he's out of his mind. The, the, the Greek word is beside himself. He's deranged. You know, so these are his kinsmen, his clansmen, his friends, his familiar ones. They look at Jesus and say, he's, he's already out of his mind. He's running mad. Okay, because they cannot see, you know, who God has made him, in a sense, to be on the earth. What God has proposed for him to be, even as Lord. You know, they cannot see his true value and his true worth. And the things that he's doing does not fit into their logical mind. They say he's mad. They say he's beside himself. You know, they say he he's out of his mind. Okay, so this is what his friends, his family and clansmen say about him. Now, okay, so if your friends are saying this about you, what about the religious leaders, the people who should know God, the people who should understand the doctrines of truth? Um, surely, if my own friends and, and family cannot see my value, the people who know God, the people who serve God, the, the, the pastors, the bishops, they should at least get some spiritual inkling, you know, of who I am. You know, and then the next verse says that, and the scribes, the scribes are Jewish theologians, the people who had studied the word, who had made writings about it, explaining and expounding doctrine, the people who should know the law of Moses and, and the doctrines of the Old Testament. These are the scribes. Okay, and it says, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub and by the help of the prince of demons he is casting out demons so this is interesting and really scary okay because your own friends and your kinsmen they say that you are running mad they say you are beside yourself they say you're out of the, your mind and then the people who should know God who should know the teachings of the Bible who should be expounding truth who should be able to hear from God say that you are using a devil to achieve your signs and your wonders it's a dark place it's a sad place okay so what do, what does jesus do okay and so when they said that about jesus verse 23 and he summoned them to him and said to them in parables illustrations or comparisons put beside truths to explain them how can satan drive out satan and if a kingdom is divided and rebelling against itself that kingdom cannot stand and if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to last. And if Satan has raised an insurrection against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But he's surely coming to an end. Okay. And so they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus is using the power of Satan to cast out demons. And Jesus is saying, listen, 
How can I? How can a person be destroying the very thing that he's building? How can you build up a house and destroy it by yourself? Or how can you destroy a house and then be seeking to build it? He says a kingdom cannot fight itself. A house divided against itself shall not stand. How can you accuse me of using the power of Satan to cast out Satan? Okay. And so he's showing the futility of their thoughts and the foolishness of their mind. You know, by 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 explaining this. Okay. And so he says, but no one can go into a strong man's house and ransack his household, his goods right and left and seize them as plunder unless he first binds the strong man then indeed he may thoroughly plunder his house so jesus is saying listen it's not that i'm using the power of the devil of course i can't be but rather i am overpowering the devil okay to be able to release the people that he has kept bound okay and so he says in verse 28 truly and solemnly i say to you all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever abusive and blasphemous things they utter, you know, they will be forgiven. But whosoever speaks abusively against or maliciously represents the Holy Spirit can never get forgiveness, but is guilty of and is in the grasp of an eternal trespass. For they persisted in saying he has an unclean spirit. <clears throat> okay. And so this passage, a lot of people have, you know, heard about it or read it and they've gotten scared. They begin to think, have I committed the abominable sin? Have I committed, you know, the unpardonable sin? Maybe I said something I was not supposed to say. You know, maybe I, I had a thought in my mind that I was not supposed to have and I'm scared. Maybe God will never forgive me. Maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin. First of all, let me quickly clear that even though that's not where we are going. Okay, so this is Jesus addressing the Pharisees who look at him. They know he's of God because they have knowledge. But because they do not like him, because he's infringing on their influence, their physical influence, you know, in a sense, in their mind, they begin to ascribe the mighty deeds that he's working by the Holy Spirit. You know, they begin to ascribe it to devils. You know, they are deliberate about what they are doing. They have decided to set themselves against what he's doing and persist in that. You know, and so Jesus says that this is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Nobody can be forgiven from this. Now, let me just draw your attention to something. Incidentally, it, the, the picture that is painted is after Jesus has said this, the, the Pharisees and the scribes who accuse him of these things, they still don't repent. They still don't change. They still they are not even filled with grief or guilt, asking God to have mercy on them. Why? And it's simple. Because repentance is a grace of the Holy Spirit. The ability to repent is done by the Spirit of God. Okay, No man can repent in and of himself. The Bible says that I will give you to know that no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit. Okay, No man calls Jesus an anathema, you know, speaking by the Holy Spirit. And that is, no man can call Jesus re divinely rejected of God, speaking by the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, no man can say Jesus is Lord and really mean it in their spirit except it is the holy ghost operational in their life what am i saying the ability to be able to repent and see jesus christ as lord is done in you by the holy spirit and that means that if you feel sad about it if you are worried and scared that ah, i hope i've not done this i really want to please god i don't want to be cast away i don't want god to hate me i hope i've not committed your pardonable sin it is most likely that you have not because a person who has committed the unpardonable sin is not seeking repentance, is not trying to be saved. 
okay he's not trying to please god you know he's not he's not in the in the place of repentance and guilt for their sins all of that is being worked by the holy ghost to get you you know to salvation okay and so if you are feeling sad feeling remorseful and trying and hoping that you are able to please god and bothered about it is because you have not committed any any unpardonable sin in fact if you have become saved you know you have become born again understand that that was done by the holy spirit as well if the spirit of god was grieved eternally concerning you you know and you were in a place of reprobacy or inability to be saved you will not be brought into christ you will not be saved you will not seek to please god you will not seek to honor god okay because all of that is worked by the spirit the bible says it is god at working you both to will and to do of his good pleasure so if you have become born again and saved whatever blasphemies you have done whatever wrong you have done you know god has counted it you know unto salvation for you in that christ has died for your sins if you were able to get saved it was done by the spirit and god has nothing against you and as a believer if you spoke wrongly or you overtalked you know and you are repentant about it you have the you feel that remorse you want to please god and you have called on the name of jesus to save you you have not committed the unpardonable sin you know because um, um repentance is the grace of the holy spirit a person who commits the unpardonable sin is not seeking salvation is not seeking to please god but they have set themselves eternally against the work of god and against the oppressions of the spirit okay so they're not trying to be saved it's like what the bible says in the book of hebrews chapter 6 it says to renew them to repentance is impossible you cannot get them to a place where they are saved again where they feel you know sorry for their sins and they depend on god for salvation and that's the issue with the pharisees who were persistently against the work of christ and against the spirit maybe somebody has been scared about these things and the holy ghost will have me encourage you that listen you belong to god and he loves you okay don't you don't have to be scared about it anymore serve god please god and be careful with your words (laughs) Okay, now back to the story. So we see that Jesus' kinsmen, his family, they call him mad. They say he's besides himself. Okay, the scribes, the apologetics, the theologians, they look at Jesus, or the, the apologists rather, the theologians, they look at Jesus and say he's using Beelzebub's power. Okay, so so it's a very sad place. Your, your friends reject you, your pastor rejects you. And what about um, his own family? In Mark chapter 3, verse 31, the Bible says, Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him, calling for him. So the picture of this is that, as the friends have said, he's beside himself, the, uh, the, the, the leaders of the faith, have accused him of using demonic powers. His own family had decided, come, let's take him, you know, because we don't know what is going on in his life. So even his own family do not respect the grace that he is, you know. And you can find that in John chapter 7, verse 5, that his own brethren did not believe in him. Okay, so it's a sad place. You feel rejected. Well, how come nobody knows my value? How come nobody knows my worth? The people that I expect you know, to accept me are the ones who see no good in me, okay, and so this is what happens, the Bible says that when his mother and his brothers came, you know, standing outside, you know, calling for him, you know, verse 32, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said, your mother and your brother and your sisters are outside asking of you, and he replied in verse 33, who are my mother and brothers, 
and looking around on those who sat in a circle about him, he said, See, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the things God wills is my brother and sister and mother. So I've just given you a picture of what really happened. That Jesus was not ignoring his family as though, you know, because he's being used of God, he no longer cares about what his family... No, that's not what was going on there. You know, everybody was, you know, not recognizing Jesus in a sense for who he really was. His own family came thinking that he was besides himself and they came to take him away. And so Jesus says, I'm not paying any attention to that. The real family, you know, that I have are the people who are listening to what I have to say as of God, who depend on God, who believe in God and recognize that I'm sent of God, you know, to the earth. Okay, and that gives us a picture of how to deal with rejection, you know, how to deal with being despised, being looked down on, okay? So the Bible lets us understand that what Jesus did was correct the notion that the people had of him, you know, by telling them that, listen, Satan, being divided against Satan cannot stand. There's no way that I'm using the power of Satan to cast out Satan. So he tries to correct it, you know, to the people who have a wrong notion of him. But more than that, he pays attention to the people that God has gifted him with rather than the people that do not recognize his worth and his value. Okay, so that's the mindset, you know, that's the practice really that you should have towards rejection. Don't spend all of your mental energy, you know, your thought life, your strength trying to uh, 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 please people. You know, then you begin to change who you are because the people that you expect to like you don't like you. Then you begin to change who you are just to fit in. If that's not who you are, don't stay there. Don't belong where you don't belong, okay? Don't stay for long in a place that you are not supposed to be, okay? So, Jesus did not change himself trying to prove a point to the people. Instead, he tried to correct the wrong notion but spent his energy dealing with impacting the people that did know who he was. That's how you should be as well, you know. So the mindset that you have, you know, towards um, rejection is, nobody can reject me. My real purpose is in God and the people that God has, you know, assigned me for will find me. And the practice of dealing with rejection is focus on building the people that believe in you, focus on giving your best and fulfilling what god has called you to do rather than proving a point to the people who reject you you know no matter who they are don't internalize rejection don't take it personal okay if there are things that you need to work on as a person improve yourself generally but the rejection of people should not be your burden okay okay so in summary what i would like to let you know first of all the mindset to have is nobody can reject you because nobody but god determines your purpose and your purpose determines how important you are and how relevant you are okay what we call rejection is just a redirection you see in life sometimes you need to say no there has to be no's okay you can't accept everything that comes your way you can't accept every people that come your way in every capacity sometimes you have to say no to a particular group to a particular assignment or job or work to a particular person okay because they are not needed for your purpose but the, the interesting thing is that sometimes because of the level of our knowledge and understanding we are not strong enough to say no 
okay maybe sometimes because of our own um human uh, affection you know or affiliation for that thing you know we may tend to say yes to the things that we ought to say no to you know and what god does for us in his mercy is that he sometimes allows those people that we do not need or those situations that do not help our purpose to say no to us you know where we are not strong enough to say no ourselves and this is what rejection shows at some at, uh, shows us sometimes okay so rather than think oh i was rejected you know they looked down on me they counted me out sometimes those things are not for you but you could not be strong enough to say no and so god allowed those things say no to you or allowed those people say no to you you know um or god himself was the one who was saying no for you in that situation you know so don't hold on to it that's the mindset to have and then the practical attitude to have is you know for for people who see us wrongly you know correct them you know with a proper view of who you are in god who god has made you to be rather than sulk and feel bad you know find the balance actually in correcting people and improving the points don't go proving the points you know i have to try and impress no no find the 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 line and stick within correcting people who see you wrongly and on the other hand Pay more attention to impacting, you know, blessing, you know, improving, teaching, building, you know, focusing on those who do believe in you and in what God has placed in your life. I so believe that this has blessed you. I hope that it would help your mindset, help your perspective, you know, prevent you from putting so much pressure on yourself, you know, putting so much needless pain on yourself, you know, because you're already accepted of God. The Bible says something very interesting. He says that we are accepted or highly favored in the beloved. That means that because of our faith in Jesus Christ, you know, when God said concerning Jesus that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, God is in a sense saying the same thing about us today. We are accepted in that beloved. We are highly favored in that beloved. And so if God has accepted us, who is it that can reject us? So till I come your way again, I want you to stay blessed. Understand that your acceptance is not in the hand of anybody but in God. Be full of joy, be full of glory, be full of gladness. God has blessed you. Please subscribe to my channel on all of the platforms. Um, Please listen to the other things that we have shared and God bless you as you do in Jesus' name. Amen.